So uh, today on our Sugar Detox program, we are going to talk about sugar addiction. And I always like to give you some references that you can explore in more detail. And the one I'm going to start with is called The Hunger Fix, The Hunger Fix by Pamela Peek. It's called A Three-Stage Detox and Recovery for Overeating and Food Addiction. And what I really like is about this book is there's a certain term she uses, and I think it's really useful when we're doing a sugar detox to use these kind of terms. She calls a false fix and a healthy fix. So I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So there is a, an addictive hunger for carbohydrates that she calls a false fix. And one of the reasons this is created in us is that we've had this chronic exposure to uh, certain foods that are addictive and that have hijacked. And I love how she talks about how these processed foods and packaged foods and high glycemic foods have hijacked our brain's reward center. So our brain uh, has this center that when we, we do something that's uh, positive and affirming, we get these endorphins that are secreted. We've got all twisted up with our reward centers with these uh, high glycemic foods, and basically our reward center has been hijacked, and it leaves us with an itch we can't scratch. I love that term too. So um, the idea of this program is to reclaim your reward center and work on the cravings and free yourself from this constant carbohydrate hunger, which is like an itch you can't scratch. So it, it's a lot about neurochemistry, and I'm not going to go into details about the neurochemistry, but there's dopamine and serotonin that are involved. And this is all based on neuroscience, where that we can work on what we call healthy fixes to replace the false fixes and reclaim back this reward center. So uh, healthy fixes are things like, uh, I suggested the massage that you might do this week, or the, the healthy self-care, or you might like to go for a walk in nature, or you might like to garden, or you might like to take a nap. So all of these things shift our neurochemistry and put us into this uh, it's chemical balance that gets us back into balance. So uh, I really like her book. It's uh, really easy to understand, even though she's using a lot of neuroscience in her work, and it's called The Hunger Fix. And then the other one that, of course, I always like to talk about is a book called Potatoes, Not Prozac by Kathleen de Maison. And her last name is D-E-S-M-A-I-S-O-N-S. And what she talks about is many of us have a biochemistry where we're more prone to sugar addiction. And it's not our fault. Like a lot of times when we get overcome by carbohydrate cravings, we feel like, oh, I just don't have enough willpower. Or we feel undisciplined. Or we're lazy. But the truth is, it's about our biochemistry. And I'm going to read uh, what she says on the back of this book. this book. Many people who suffer from sugar sensitivity, which I'm going to explain what that is in a minute, don't even know it. And they continue to consume large quantities of sweets, breads, 
imposter, or alcohol. These foods can trigger exhaustion and low self-esteem, yet their biochemical impact makes those who are sugar-sensitive crave them even more. Then a vicious cycle gets set up, and the sufferers are left with being overweight, fatigued, depressed, and sometimes alcoholic. Now, she talks about sugar sensitivity, that some of us are wired to be more sensitive to carbohydrates. And with her permission, I reprinted her questionnaire that's in her book to determine if you are sugar sensitive or not. Now, she uses the term sugar sensitivity, not sugar addiction. It's kind of a nicer term. Uh, but what it's saying is that a, a chocolate chip cookie, for example, or a piece of bread has a very different biochemical impact than someone in someone that has sugar sensitivity than someone that doesn't. So you might already know if you are sugar sensitive or not. But just in case you're wondering, I'm going to read out the questions that she has to determine if you are. So the more yeses you answer to each of these statements, the more likely you are to be what we call sugar sensitive, which means that sugar is not simply an energy source for you. It is an addictive substance. So number one, I really like sweet foods. Two, I eat a lot of sweets. Three, I am very fond of bread, cereal, popcorn, or pasta. Now these foods people don't often consider sugar, bread, cereal, popcorn, and pasta, but the truth is that they are. They have spike up your blood sugar, which spikes up your insulin, which leaves you overweight because no one told you that eating high glycemic sugars actually retain weight. And then you get the crash and burn effect. The next one, I now have or have had a problem with alcohol or drugs. In Kathleen Demison's work with alcoholism, there's the similar brain pathways are involved with alcoholism as they are with sugar addiction. Or next question, I have a parent or parents who is or are alcoholic. And perhaps it's skipped a generation. You might have had a lot of alcoholism in one generation, but maybe then it showed up as sugar addiction in another. So it's very interesting, that tie. The next one, I have a parent or parents who is or are especially fond of sugar. The next one, I'm overweight and don't seem to be able to easily lose the extra pounds. That's because sugar is fattening. Next one, I continue to be depressed no matter what I do. And that is because of the neurochemical impact of spiking our blood sugar up and down. Next one, I often find myself overreacting to stress because serotonin is our stress shield. So let me talk a bit about serotonin. The serotonin is a natural neurotransmitter in our body. And people with sugar sensitivity tend to have a low level of serotonin. Serotonin is our feel-good neurotransmitter. It helps us with our mood. It helps us concentrate, think well, sleep well. And when we have a lower serotonin, we tend to be more melancholy. Uh, we tend to have trouble just doing everyday activities if it's particularly low. And a lot of times, um, doctors diagnose low serotonin in people that have depression and they prescribe a drug that boosts serotonin. So a drug that boosts serotonin is called Prozac. It would also be called Paxil or Zoloft. It's called a SSRI, seroton selective serotonin 
reuptake inhibitor. It basically increases serotonin. Hence the name of this book, her book, Potatoes Not Prozac. Because if we eat the right foods at the right time, we can balance our biochemistry and in fact enhance our serotonin level. Now I'm not saying people should go off their antidepressants. That's not what I'm saying. But what I would love is every time an antidepressant is prescribed, that a doctor would also prescribe a list of serotonin boosters, ways to increase serotonin. And you will be pleased to hear that everything in the sugar detox program that I have spoken about actually increases serotonin. Let's review. We're having protein with every meal and snack and good carbohydrates that increases serotonin. We're doing physical activity. Yes, we're practicing self-care like massage that increases serotonin. We've got lots of support systems in place for this program that increases serotonin. So this link between the neurochemistry of what you're doing here uh, is fabulous. And again, you don't even have to know all of this. This is an added bonus to understand why eating the way you are eating, which is protein and good whole carbohydrates with every meal and snack, helps you with increasing serotonin, which is partly why the sugar cravings are removed. Because when your serotonin is balanced, you don't have sugar cravings. So that little questionnaire is designed to just raise awareness of perhaps you in your life now recognize that you've had this sugar sensitivity, but you just thought it was willpower and you just weren't strong enough to say no. But in fact, she says that there is a disturbance in your serotonin functioning and often beta endorphin functioning. So we have to be ever vigilant of what kind of uh, sugars or carbohydrates we put into our body to avoid the, the blood sugar crash. And as I said at the beginning of this program, this program has all kinds of benefits. I could have called it the anti-inflammatory program, but nobody would be interested in that because it's not really, they don't understand what it is. I call it the sugar buster program because people understand that. We're trying to bust ourselves away from the cravings of high glycemic carbohydrates. I could have also called the serotonin enhancing program, but people don't know what that is. But the truth is you get all of those benefits. It's so wonderful to know that. And it's really not hard. It is a lifestyle solution where we're focusing on exercise and sleep and stress and supplements and support. All eight factors in my lifestyle wheel that are part of this sugar buster program. And when I say my lifestyle wheel, it's from my book, Is Your Lifestyle Killing You? And the solution to bringing back a balanced lifestyle is really focusing on the eight areas. And I'll go over again what the eight areas are. The food plan, which we're focused very much on now, physical activity, sleep, stress management, high quality supplementation, digestive health, detoxification, and support system. So I love her book, Potatoes on Prozac, but let me just say that I'm not a big fan of the potato part of it, and it's a good example of how every book has this gem of an idea. Every book has some gift that can offer us, but 
it's not that you just take everything as the truth. So I really uh, advise you when you're reading anything to just make it work for you and just be true to what you feel resonates with you. I want to take this just one step forward because uh, one of the things that made a big difference to me, and I do consider myself a recovering sugar addict, which means that every day is a new day. You take it one step at a time. I have the tools, just like you now. I have all the tools, but I, like everyone else, relapse. And there are certain things that I do every day to make sure that I stay in balance, one of which is exercise and good sleep, stress management, good support systems. But one in particular is the food plan. And I want to explain to you the magic of the food plan and how powerful it is. So I'm going to talk a little bit about science. So just to warn you in advance that I'm going to talk about serotonin, but in a very simple way. And Kathleen Demi's on taught me this. And it made a huge difference to me in my everyday life, understanding why protein with every meal and snack is so important. So I've talked a little bit about serotonin and the importance of having a good serotonin level to help us with our mood, with our sleep, with our concentration, and particularly with our sugar craving. So the body makes its own serotonin. And we can enhance that by many things that I've listed. One of the most powerful is the food we eat. Now, a precursor of serotonin, to make serotonin in the body, you need an amino acid called tryptophan. And to get tryptophan, or any amino acid, of course, you've got to eat protein. So, and here's where the really fun part of the story comes in. So when you eat protein, uh, all these amino acids go into your body. And tryptophan is considered the runt, R-U-N-T, of the amino acid litter, litter meaning when you think a, a cat has a litter, the runt is the weakest, the smallest of the litter. So tryptophan is the runt of the amino acid litter. So for tryptophan to make serotonin, it's got to get across the blood-brain barrier. But all the other amino acids want to go there first. So tryptophan doesn't make it. So the way to get tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier, since it's the weakest one, is to divert all the other amino acids somewhere else. And that's where the carbohydrates come in. When you have good, healthy carbohydrates, insulin takes the good amino acids to the muscle. But it doesn't want tryptophan because it's the runt. So all these amino acids go into the muscle, and tryptophan is left alone saying, where did everybody go? And it runs across the blood-brain barrier to make serotonin. That's why eating protein with every meal and snack, so you've got tryptophan on board, and good carbohydrates with every meal and snack allows the serotonin production to be regular throughout the day. Your mood will be better. You will sleep better. Your cravings will be kept at bay, which is a big part of why your cravings disappear on this program. You'll be able to concentrate better. And your quality of life improves because of the serotonin impact. And I have found that that one story, and you might want to listen back to what I just explained because I know it's a little bit of science. I talked about tryptophan and serotonin and the blood-brain barrier. The bottom line is protein and good carbohydrates with every meal and snack helps you make more serotonin 
and keep your cravings at bay. One of the worst things you could do is cut out protein because you can't make serotonin if you don't eat protein. So a lot of people think that fruit smoothies or eating lots of fruits and vegetables alone are really good or juicing on its own. Now, for a short time, they have certain benefits, but as a lifestyle, you are messing with your neurochemistry, and particularly if you're sugar sensitive. Likewise, a diet like the Atkins diet in its fullest form, where you're just eating protein, just protein alone, you could get very depressed because you're not able to make the serotonin you need because, remember what we said, you need the good carbohydrates as well. So all in all, a balanced program, which this is, and understanding some of the science that I hope will empower you to be able to continue this lifestyle moving forward. Now, I've covered a lot of science, <laughs> so I'm hoping that uh, if you have any questions, please please push star six to number one. I'm willing to take any questions, and then I can explain further if you want further clarification. But I just want to pause to see if you have any any questions. Don't see any questions. Okay, so if we don't, then I'm going to move on to the second part, which is generally food addiction. So I particularly just spoke about sugar addiction. But then there's this idea of food addiction. And Dr. Mark Hyman actually wrote a very good book just this year on food addiction. And it truly is an addiction. And again, the food industry has hijacked our brain's reward systems because of the so-called food that we've put into our body that basically are chemicals. And there's one particular author that I love in this field, and her name is Janine Roth, G-E-N-E-E-N, Janine Roth, R-O-T-H. And she wrote a book called When Food is Love, another book called Women, Food, and God, and one called Why Wait. And she talks just about emotional eating and how we use food to, to feed our hunger needs, our emotional hunger needs. And I know if you're interested in this program that this will probably resonate with you, that food has become this symbol of love. And if you think about it, it's when we're first born and we're put to the breast, Right there, food is love from the very beginning. And then we have all these special occasions like birthdays and anniversaries, and we celebrate with high glycemic, sugary foods. And then there's Thanksgiving and there's Christmas. I mean, it's just loaded. Food becomes this symbol of love. And then, of course, if you come from an Italian family, the food, meaning pasta, is particularly uh, difficult. And I've already said that pasta is, is on that list of, uh, of people that have sugar sensitivity that you have to be careful of. So an awareness, again, and the reason I'm bringing this up is just to be aware of it because if we're not aware of something, it will control us. But when we are aware, we can make new choices. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about 80% about of the time following as good a lifestyle as possible. So I went out to lunch today uh, with a colleague, and uh, I very rarely order off the menu. And we'll be talking much more about this 
on our third call when we talk about recipes and shopping lists and meal plans. But I wanted to just give you an idea that I looked at the menu and I wondered what I felt like. So I had, uh, and they had this really good lean turkey burger and they had avocado and grilled onions, which are all great. And of course, it was a burger. So I said, well, could I have it on without the bun? And I know I'm in California, so perhaps it's different here. But they said, would you like a lettuce leaf around it? So you can always order a burger without the, le the bun, but use a lettuce leaf. And they had this lovely, and it wasn't even an iceberg lettuce leaf. It was romaine lettuce. It was a nice, green, rich lettuce leaf. And they put the avocado in there and the grilled onions and the turkey. And then on the side, of course, you get this choice of sides because everything comes with your choices of French fries, coleslaw, potato salad, uh, mashed potatoes. And I said, uh, is there anything else? <laughs> and they made this really cool sliced cucumber in a rice wine vinegar and sesame seeds. It was delicious. And that's the kind of thing, as you really embrace this lifestyle and these terms and ideas that we're talking about, that you'll be able to make new choices that are very satisfying. The person I was with, actually, who also ordered a burger, said, I'm going to order that next time. <laughs> because her uh, white bun uh, just is not very appetizing. But that rich green lettuce leaf, you just know it is much healthier for you. So I hope this, these ideas about sh sugar addiction and emotional eating and and learning this low glycemic lifestyle is starting to resonate with you. It's been a long journey for me, maybe six or seven years I've been doing this. So, And I'm always learning, and I'm going to share more on the third uh, call about my favorite recipes. But uh, for now, uh, we're actually going to take questions, and I'm going to switch off to recording.